0: I <laughs> <laughs> you open up your Bibles to 1 John, chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses uh, 13 to 17. And you've been there before, something happens in your life and it rattles you and you start to question God. And start to question his word and his goodness, and and who he is. I've been there more times than I would like. Um, when when COVID hit, I didn't know what what God had. I mean, in His word, He promises to bless His church, but here you looked around the nation, and every church was closed. And you start to question and wonder. I mean, how would you feel to be John the Baptist? remember John the Baptist with the conviction that he had when Jesus was walking? He said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then circumstances started to change for John the Baptist. He got put in prison. Remember that? And he was facing death. And he had a couple of questions. These questions baffle me. He tells the disciples to go back to Jesus and ask him this. Are you the expected one? Or do we wait for another? Wait a minute. Isn't this the same one that said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who take away the sin of the world, now saying, Is this the one? Or do we wait for somebody else? He had doubts. And you would too, if somebody promised you a kingdom and then you ended up in jail and you were about to lose your head. And so Jesus, reassuring his doubts, told him to go back, told the disciples to tell him, yeah, and he mentioned a few things, and, and basically what he says, and I'm paraphrasing, don't worry, John, you're going to die, but I am the Messiah. How do you like that news? You know, they, I, a military guy once told me this, he said, you know what, I learned in life that there's nothing sacred, there's nothing safe, and there's nothing sure. Think about that for a moment. Is that true? I mean, is there nothing sure? I mean, can we know something? Yes. I mean, think about how they say people in the church, three-fourths of the church, or almost three-fourths of the church, people in the church who read their Bibles come to church, doubt and question God. All right? I want you to think about this. And what happens? How do people respond to doubt? Here's what they do. Well, the first thing that they stop doing is going to church. That's out. So, say so they come to church, they're praying, and then and they start doubting God. Then all of a sudden, church goes away. What's the next step? The next step is they stop reading the Bible. They don't want to read the scriptures anymore. That goes away. And then the next step, they don't talk to God. They don't want to pray to God. That goes away. And then, when do you really know they've gone down the path of doubt? Is when you can't even talk to them about God. When, when you just even mention God, oh, I hear, no, no God, no politics in this house. We don't want to hear it. And so they go down that path, they, they stop going to church, they stop reading the Bible, they stop praying, and then they can't even talk to their family and friends about spiritual things. And where do they turn for help? Very few go to the Bible. Very few go to a pastor or a spiritual leader. Some go online to look for help. But some just come to the conclusion, there's nothing sacred. There's nothing safe. There's nothing sure. I want to encourage you here. Because as we look at this passage of Scripture, there are things that are sacred and sure. And as we look at this here in verse 13, we're going to see here that we can be sure today, that we have eternal life. Yes. We're going to look at verses 14 to 15, and we can be sure and have confidence that God answers prayer. And then, Lord, when we come back next week, we'll talk about some other things that we can be sure about. But I want to, I want to show you here in verse 13. Let's look at this here. It says this. These things I have written to you. Now we've seen that phrase before and he's talked about that phrase before in chapter one he wrote to us the scriptures why so that his joy may be complete and so he talked about how he wanted us to have fellowship with God and, and fellowship with one another so that joy could be complete in chapter two he talks about how he wrote these things so that we would not keep sinning that we would that we would stop living that pattern of sin but if we sin we have what in heaven an advocate right? He, he mentions it later on in chapter 2. He says he says this. He says, I want you, I write these things because you know the truth. You're not, you're not of a lie. You already know the truth. And then he talks to the younger man. You know your sins are forgiven. He talks to the, to the older man. You know the God from the beginning. He talks to the younger man. You know that you have victory over the evil one. In chapter 2, he also says, I write these things because there's people who are trying to deceive you give you false doctrine about who Christ really is. But I want you to look at this here. He says this, I write these things to you in verse 13 of chapter 5. I write these things to you, which ones? To who? To the ones who believe in the name of the Son of God. I write these things to the people who have put their trust In the name of the Son of God. Now I like that phrase. Because the name identifies who Jesus is. Jesus is the Savior and the Son. And he's saying this. These are the people who put their trust in the very name of Jesus Christ. They believe who he is and what he has done. And they put their faith alone in him. He says, I write these things to these people who have put their trust in Christ. What what can they do? Look at this. So that you may, and don't miss this, know that you have, what? Eternal life. Can you know? Yes. Yes. There are people who say you can never know. There are people who say that's, that's arrogant to say that you know where you're going. The Bible says, yes, you can know. In fact, he wrote these things so that we would know. And it's not knowing where we're going after we die. It is knowing that right now, where you are right now, that you can have eternal life right now. That's amazing. That you can have fellowship with God. That you can have a life that is different with God. That you can have spiritual life inside of you right now. He's saying, I want you to know this. This is important that we know it. Here's why. Because there's times when our feelings tell us we don't have it. Have you been there? There's times when our sin tells us we don't have it. And we disobey God and we think, how in the world can I be saved? I don't feel saved. I don't act saved. What's going on here? There's times when Satan tells us. And let me just tell you something. There's times when other people tell us. And here's what he's saying. Don't let doubts tell you whether or not you're saved. Don't let your feelings tell you whether or not you're saved. Don't even let your disobedience tell you whether or not you're saved. Let the scriptures tell you whether or not you're saved. And here's what he's saying here. You can know that you have eternal life. We can know right now. I remember when this truth hit me for the first time. I got saved when I was 20 years old. But the first year, I didn't know if once saved, always saved. I struggled with that. I really struggled with that. Am I really saved? I mean, I don't feel saved today. I disobeyed God. Am I saved? And it really hit me. You know when it hit me? It hit me on a little lake, and a little creek in Alabama. Ready for this? What do you do in Alabama for fun? You know what you do? You get in an inner tube. And you go down a creek. Here's the problem with that. There's snakes in the creek. (laughs) So I'm sitting in this inner tube, you know, and half of my body's in the water. And all of a sudden we see these things in the water with their heads high looking at us. And I'm like, wait a minute. And my friend goes like this, nobody move. (laughs) Where are we going to (laughs) go? Nobody move. Go really slow, so we go slow. And I am thinking, am I saved, am I not saved? <laughs> <laughs> this thing bites me, I'm dead. Where am I gonna go? Am I saved, am I not saved, am I saved not? We get by those first snakes. Whew. We stay in the water, a little bit longer, snakes again. We're sitting in a tube, all of a sudden my mind, first thought, am I saved, am I not saved? Am I saved, am I not saved? I'm fighting that. I'm wondering whether or not. Then we get by those snakes. And you know what I say to the guys? We are getting out of the water. You guys can float down. I am done. So we get out of the water and we, we're walking up. We're in the middle of Alabama. There's nothing there. We're walking up and what do we see? Cows and bulls. I said, let's get back in the water with the snakes. I don't want to. I hate cows and bulls. Forget about it. I'd rather, I rather fight the snakes, for crying out loud. But then a couple months after that, we're on the football field and we're about to play a game here and I'm sitting on the sidelines and this guy looks at me and he goes, Jeremy, he goes, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says Jesus said to his disciples that I give you, in John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, he says, I know my sheep and I give them eternal life and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Amen. And a peace of God came over me because my faith did not rest in my feelings or in my circumstances. My faith rested in the word of God. He says here that I write these things so that you can know right now that you have eternal life. Don't doubt it, don't, 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 don't let your feelings win on this one, rest in the very promises of God. If he wrote we can know, then we can know. It's as simple as that. And why is this important? Because it changes everything about us. Once we know for sure, once we've settled that question, once we know that we are right with God, that because of His Son, we believe in His Son, I have a relationship with Him, and now I have eternal life, once I know that, I can practice verse 14. Look at this. This is the confidence that we have before Him. Once I know that I have a relationship with God, I have open confidence... To go before him in prayer. Don't miss this. This is the confidence we have before him. This is the openness we have before him. The the word confidence means to be able to speak our minds. Are we able to do that on social media? (laughs) Some are. (laughs) Believers aren't. But this is the word to be able to speak our minds. That's why I love praying the Psalms because a lot of times you find the psalmist speaking his mind to God. Psalm 58.6 where he tells God to rip people's teeth out. I love that verse. That's That's speaking your mind to God. We were praying last night and Joshua read this verse. It's in Psalm 14. It says, God sticks his head out of heaven. I love reading different versions. God sticks his head out of heaven and he's looking around for someone who ain't stupid. I not that a great verse? Send that to your stupid friend. You know what I mean? This is the confidence we have, the openness we have to go to God and to speak our minds to God. And to open our hearts to God. I could never do that if I didn't know I had a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. We we come in confidence to God. Now watch this. This is beautiful. Look at verse 14. There's a condition. (laughs) Some of us don't like this condition. But there's a condition to our prayers. We have this openness and confidence before God. But we have to ask anything according to his what? His will. Now that is hard. Because let's be honest with one another here. There are times when we just don't know the will of God. Even though we think we know the will of God. Even though we tell God we know the will of God. <laughs> There are a lot of things that we don't know. But let me just, let me start off with the easy part. You know how we pray God's will? You know the easiest way to pray God's will? Is to find what He wants in the Scripture and pray it. Then we know it's His will. Sometimes Scripture just settles it. Somebody comes up and says, Pastor, pray for me. I'm looking for a job. Okay, and I think I got one. All right, what's the job? What are you going to do? I'm a mafia hitman. Um, I think the scripture speaks a little bit against that, and it's probably not God's will. I could pretty much tell you scripture settles that one. There's certain things that are amazing that we pray and we think that that it could be possibly God's will when it when it's really not. I remember when I first got saved in the, and, and a girl wanted to go out with me to this event, and I asked my pastor, I said, hey, this girl wants to go to an event with me. The first thing he says, is she a Christian? Well, wow, who cares, you know, she's a, she wants to go to the event with... No, no, she's not a Christian. You don't even think about going to the event with that girl. Scripture settled it. But oftentimes, we don't go to Scripture. When we're looking for a job, what's the first thing we look for? A salary? We want to know how, if it's safe for that job. We want to know if, if they have good schools for the kids. We rarely go to Scripture. And let me just tell you this. It's getting harder and harder to live what the scripture says because the world is changing and there are a lot of things out there that we can do where scripture causes us, where where, where, where it violates against scripture. Teachers. It's wonderful to be a teacher. But now the pressure upon teachers to accept things that are against the scriptures. Military people. There was a time when military didn't have to face the issues they have to face now that go against the Scriptures and yet need to accept them or they're in big trouble. Pastors even. I one pastor wanted something and the church got out. How can you not support the things that our culture is supporting? And they ran them out. And so there are things when we're praying, the more we know the Bible, the more we know God's will, the easier our prayers are. But there are a lot of things that we pray about. And let's just be honest. We don't know God's will. I I remember when Katie said before we got married, wow, we're going to have children, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I stopped I said, wait a minute. I don't know if I can have children. I don't know if that's God's will. There's people who have diseases. I don't know if it's God's will to cure that disease. There's people who, who are looking for certain jobs and they say, pray for this specific. I don't know if it's God's will for them to get that job. I, I don't know if it's God's will for us to build a building. I mean, I look around. There's $5 million storage units there. There's a $16 million gymnasium right there. But is it God's will for us to build? I don't know. I, I, I don't know God's will and a lot of things that I pray about. And so how do we go to God when we just don't know his will? Well, here's what we do. Watch this. It says here in verse 14 that if we ask anything according to his will, he answers us. So when there's things that there's no promise or command of scripture that applies to our prayer, here's what we say to God. I love what one person said. Here's what we pray. We come to God with an attitude of our hearts and we say this, Lord, if I am wrong in asking this, if this is not pleasing to you, then do as you seem best in your sight. Wow, that's a prayer. Boy, the road to Katie was hard. I looked and looked. I thought for sure a few before her were the one. I prayed. I even prayed specific. God, I need a girl who likes New York City. Listen to this. I prayed specifically that I walk into the library, this girl looks at me and says, Are you from New York City? I love New York City. This is it! <laughs> She's the one! I prayed specifically in New York City, she has to like it. And this girl, Josh the, the Blue, says you're from it, I love it! This is it! We went out, she dumped me three days later. That wasn't it. That was a quick one. <laughs> Sometimes we are sure, sure what God wants. And we really don't know. But here's the amazing thing. I, this is why I love this to change our prayer life. When we go to God with the attitude, Lord, if I'm wrong in this, or if this is not pleasing to you, then Lord, you do as you seem right. All of a sudden, as we're praying that, God starts to work in our hearts. And he gives us a deeper understanding of the situation. And sometimes we change directions. And here's why. Because he not only knows what best, he knows the, the best way to get to the best. And so as we're praying and we say, God, I, I lift this up. I, Lord, I do want a wife. I don't know who she is. Maybe it's this one. But Lord, if I'm wrong, please, please don't give me what I'm asking. And I'll tell you, when he gave me Katie, I was like, wow, amazing. Because here's how God works. The answer to the prayer not only benefits you, it also benefits his kingdom. And when he answers our prayers, it will benefit more than ourselves. It will benefit his work. And let me tell you something. She benefits not just me. She benefits the work of God. And here's what's amazing. Look at this verse here in verse 15. And we know, here's what we can be assured of. We know that he hears us in whatever we ask. Now, that doesn't mean that God is a vending machine. It means that when we go to him and, and we ask him with a sincere heart, what am I asking for? Lord, does it please you? Is this right in your sight? Do it. We know that when he answers, this is from God. Look what it says here in verse 15. And we know that we have the request we have asked from him. This is God's will. How do I know? I prayed before it. I begged God. I asked him with an attitude. Lord, if this is wrong, don't give it to me. And it happened. It's God's will. But it also takes submission when it doesn't happen. And sometimes we fight and we bite. But let me just tell you something. Prayer is not getting God to see things our way. Prayer is helping us see things God's way. And so God has every right to say no to our prayers. God has every right not to give us a building if he wants to. God has every right not to give us that job. God has every right if the single people are praying for a certain person and God doesn't want them to marry that person. God has every right not to cure that disease. God has every right not to come through on some things because his will will be done. But we go before him with an attitude of saying, Lord, I want your will. I want what you want, Lord. And when he answers, we know that this is from him. And when we know it's from him, we start to treasure it even more. Now this doesn't stop with us. Watch this. This is where it gets really good. Verse 16. We're praying to God and we want him to hear our, hear, hear our request and we know if it's according to his will, he hears us. And we have that assurance. We can know this is from God. But watch this in verse 16. What do we do when we see a brother committing, now take the word a out because it's not a, literally in the Greek, it's committing sin. It's sinning sin. It is going down a path that they should not be going down. How many of us know someone like that? Anybody? I, we all know him. Let me just tell you something. Sin will always take us further than we want to go. Keep us longer than we want to stay and cost us more than we want to pay. And we see this brother going down a path that that, that he or she should not be going down. What do we do? I'll tell you what we do. Pick up the phone. Pastor, you know so-and-so sinning? Can you pray for so-and-so? Well, how about in a prayer meeting? Oh, yeah, so-and-so. Yeah, boy, what bad decision so-and-so's making. Will you pray? And all of a sudden, we just start gossiping about it. What does it say our first response should be? Don't talk to others about it. You see a brother committing a sin, and I'm going to talk about the sin leading to death here in a moment. You see a brother committing a sin, going down a path that he or she should not be going down. Here's what we ought to do. We shall ask, and What? God will restore. What does it say? We should pray. We should go before God. We should ask God to do a work. You want to know God's will here today? It is God's will for us to pray for sinning people. For those who know him who are going down a path. Can you imagine how this would change some of our church prayer meetings if we took this verse serious? Where we were really concerned for people who are heading down a path that is not pleasing God. And so we start to pray for him. And here's what I love about this verse. As we pray for them, look what happens. And he shall ask and God will for him give life. God will restore them. It's amazing how God brings people back through prayer. I've seen it happen a lot of times. In fact, some of you are sitting here today because of the prayers of other people. God has brought you back because of prayer. God has brought me back because of prayer. And here's what's amazing. I remember one guy that he came to church in Argentina, he got baptized, he was six-something. You know, everyone's wondering, how am I going to baptize a guy that's six-something? You know how you baptize somebody that's six-something? You make him sit down, amen? I, <laughs> I made him sit down, and got him right in the water. It was a piece of cake. Because when he sat down, he was my height. But anyway, <laughs> loved the Lord. He loved the Lord. Got caught in a sin. Stop coming to church. Stop reading his Bible. We Couldn't even talk to him about, about the scriptures. Prayed for him. Prayed for him. Prayed for him. Years. We just went back to Argentina last year and we heard that he's doing it great. In fact, he's serving the Lord in his church. God restored him. God restores people through prayer. But what about the one that refuses to accept Jesus Christ? What about the one that's deliberate and says, I don't want to believe. I don't want to follow God. I don't want to I don't want to serve the Lord. What do we do with him? Look at this verse. This is incredible. He says in verse 16, if anyone sees his brother, we know these are people who are saved, committing a sin, not leading to death. interesting, Interesting little phrase there. It's literally in the Greek, not to death. It's a sin, not to death. So, so here's what, how some people take this. Some people say, well, then this has to be the sin that leads to death uh, is the one that, that, that is a physical sin. So you sin, and all of a sudden you're physically dead. Well, that could happen, right? You, you commit a sin, you, you murder somebody, you do something wrong, and then you go to the electric chair and you die. There are consequences for certain sins. But he's not talking about physical sins here. You know why? Because it's life he's talking about. This is a spiritual thing. So some some churches take it to mean that there's some sins that are worse than other sins. And so you got your mortal sins. And you better stay away from those because you're in big trouble. But then you got your forgivable sins and the pardonable sins on here. And he's not talking about the pardonable sins. He's talking about the mortal sin. Let me just tell you, all sin, what happens because we sin? We all die because of sin. So that's not it. The sin to death is a sin where people outright refuse to believe in Jesus Christ And they are headed to spiritual... They will die and go to hell. How do we handle those people? Well, watch what he says here. He says, there is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make requests for this. Wait a minute. Is John saying we don't pray for those people? That's not what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. He's saying we need to change our prayers for those people. Because oftentimes when we know people who just downright, outright, refuse to believe in Jesus Christ, we pray for their foot or for their disease or for their job or for this or for that. And we forget what we need to be really praying for that person. What we need to be really praying is not for them to be restored to God. Why? They've never had a relationship with God. What we need to be praying for them is that they would repent and be saved. And boy, I wish I would have grasped that earlier on in my ministry. (coughs) Because over the years we've dealt with people who have just been outright disobedient and refused to believe in Jesus. And I'm praying all kinds of things for them instead of the thing that I should be praying for them. In fact, about a year ago I got a a call from a pastor in the area with somebody who was causing problems here. Started causing problems in his church. And he said, what do I do with so-and-so? They had an altercation in the parking lot and -and so-and-so was there and he went to your church. What do I do with so-and-so? and I just paused and I said you know what I messed up with so and so I did I I, I said all kinds of things that I prayed for all kinds of things with so and so you know what you need to do with so and so you need to pray he gets saved because we're six years later and he's the same (coughs) and he has not changed and he won't change so let's pray the right things for these people Here's what John is saying. Our prayers are so powerful because they open up the ability for God to work through them. And here's what's amazing about our prayers. When we pray according to God's will, he answers us. And when we see a brother sinning, we don't just sit there and do nothing. We go to God with it. And we allow God to work in this and the Holy Spirit to work and to bring that conviction and bring him back. But here's what's amazing thing also. As we pray and we see people who downright refuse... To accept Jesus Christ. And we all know. Who downright and outright just say. You know what? I'm not going to believe in that. Instead of praying for their food. Or whatever it may be. We pray for their salvation. That God would do a work in their heart. Change their heart. That's a stone. And put a heart that is soft there. And allow them to be saved. Because look what it says here in verse 17. All unrighteousness is sin. But here's what's amazing. There is a sin that what? Not leading to death or not to death. And what he's saying here is when believers are caught in sin, we can pray and guess what? There's no sin out there that God can't restore. That's our God. No matter how far they've gone. And let me tell you, believers can go far. But as we pray, God brings them back. So let's be committed to that. Let's not just sit there silent when we're seeing them go down a path. Let's really go before God. But let me say this. Change your prayer if you're praying for someone who doesn't want to put their faith in Jesus Christ. Instead of praying for temporal relief in their life, pray for their salvation. Pray for God to change their hearts and for them to believe. And it's amazing what God can do. Are you sure about that? Well, John says you can be sure. You say, what else can I be sure about? Well, come next week, I'll tell you. We're just getting warmed up. But before you leave here today, you can be sure that you have eternal life. If you're not sure, settle that today. Say, Lord, I want to be sure. How am I sure? Thank you for sending your son to die for me, being buried and rose again. I put my trust in him alone. When you do that, you can be sure. You want to be sure about your prayers? Go to God with an attitude, a submissive attitude, and say, Lord, if I'm praying, if I'm praying something that is wrong here, if this is not pleasing to you, then you do as you seem best. And it's amazing when God answers. And we know when He answers, it's from Him. And when we see somebody living in sin and going down a path that we don't like and we're worried about it and tossing and turning about it and start talking to other people about it, stop there and start talking to God about it. And say, Lord, please restore this. Please work in this heart. Please bring the whole, allow the Holy Spirit to convict them. Please don't let them be happy in what they're doing. Please, Lord. It's amazing what God does. And then if you see somebody who is refusing to believe in Christ. And they say, will you pray for me? I'm looking for a job. We say, well, I'll pray for you. You're looking for a job. I'll pray for that job. But I'm also praying for your soul. That you come to Jesus. Because that's your greatest need. And so what if you get a job and you still go to hell? John says, you see somebody sitting a sin to death, you don't just pray some... You pray what you ought to pray. Let's bow in prayer. Father... You know the hearts of each one here today. In a world filled with uncertainty. In a world that tries to make us doubt about everything. We can be sure that we have eternal life. Not because we feel it, but because you say it. And so we rest in your word. You promised eternal life and you cannot lie. You promised that you would never leave us nor forsake us. You promised in your word that no one can snatch you out of your hand. You promised in your word that Jesus is there up in heaven praying for us right now. So he is able to save to the uttermost. We can know that we are saved today. Father, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know that, that today would be the day that they settle that. And then, Lord, we can know that what we're asking you is what you want. Because we ask according to your will. Sometimes we think we know better than you. But, Lord, thank you that as we pray with a submissive heart, saying, Lord, I don't know if this is your will That, Lord, as we pray, that you start to work in our heart and deepen our understanding about the situation and sometimes even change the direction that we're praying for. And then we know for sure that if we're praying something according to your will and you answer, this was your will. So we can be sure. And then, Lord, I ask, I ask, God, because this is so hard. I ask that you give us a heart for those around us. That if we see any brother or sister that's living in a path that doesn't please you, that we would get on our knees before you and pray and beg you for them. Because we know that you're a God who can restore. A God who can change hearts. A God who can bring people back. A God who can make people miserable in their sin. So God, help us to be a praying church And loving others in that way. And then Lord. For those who refuse. To put their trust in Jesus alone. God I pray for their salvation. Lord I pray that you do whatever it takes. To show them that they need to be saved. You are able. You are able to work in lives. You are able to save souls. So God, I pray for that. And forgive me for praying all the other things and thinking about all the other things rather than the real thing. So I thank you so much for this text because it guides us in a way that you want us to go. And Lord, finally I pray for those who are praying things right now and are living frustrated because they feel you're not answering. Help them to rest in these scriptures. Help them to rest that you know best. Help them to understand that, Lord, maybe it's not what we want. But, Lord, it's what you want. And you know so much better than we do. So thank you for that. We love you and praise you in the precious name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen.